This is the ESPN Aussie Hoops Hour. Another round of the NBL is in the books, and I think today we're going to start to talk about contending teams because while last week there was a big focus on the Tassie Jack Jumpers, who I think had a fine weekend, what about Melbourne and Sydney, two of the powerhouses of the league? And by the way, we've also got some breaking news from the Adelaide 36ers, a team that we have not discussed a lot. I'm Kane Pittman alongside me, as he is every single Tuesday on this podcast. It's Olga Nulich. And uh, speaking of breaking news, Olgs, we've got some breaking news. You're about to officially move back to Melbourne. Let's this go. Is, this is big news Congrats. in the studio here. We're, we're happy Thanks, to have everybody. you back in the city. Everyone's excited about this, and we're used to seeing you at John Kane Arena, and now we know that this is going to be the situation going forward. You know, I still have people around. Like I've been living in Melbourne for the whole season so far. Yes. Um, I've been living like out of an apartment <laughs> hotel sort of vibe. Um, and people keep asking me, like, are you just, like, flying in and out? Like, no, like, I've been living here, but I've been apartment hunting. And that is, for some reason, an extremely tough thing to do yeah. in this weird city. Um, but I was, I've been approved for an apartment. Hopefully, all goes well, and I'm able to move into it. And I will officially be a Melbourneian, which sounds gross. Um, it's not as good as Sydney, Melbourne. But I'm here now. Uh, I lived here last season, too, right? It is a cool place to exist during the NBL. Mm. Not just because the NBL like headquarters is based here and a lot of people are too. But like obviously I work out of the hub with the NBL, which is here. This studio, our ESPN studio is here as well. Um, and we have like two teams that play out of one arena, which is really easy. And especially at this time of year, before the Australian Open, when the, the ton of home games with Southeast and Melbourne United, this is like a good place to be. So yes, thank you so much. Mm. Uh, it is great to be here. And and I hope my presence is is welcomed. Uh, very much welcomed. And I did give you a warm welcome to the city. And I wouldn't have probably done so if I knew that you were going to take about three separate pot shots at the city in your little intro <laughs> here. But we're happy to have you here in the studio. As I said, this podcast, ESPN Aussie Hoops Hour, every Tuesday. If you haven't done so yet, you should subscribe, turn the notifications on so you'll know exactly when each show drops. And it's perfect for a day like today because there is some news out of the Adelaide 36ers now. Uh, let's be honest, this isn't a big surprise to anyone. This has been all over uh, your reporting for the last week at ESPN.com.au, Olgs. So, DJ Vasiljevic, there was a potential major roadblock to uh, this star local guard getting to the Adelaide 36ers, and it was the Sydney Kings. So, where are we at? Yeah, so it never felt like it was actually going to be a roadblock. It was always just going to be a pretty steep hump. Um, just as far as timing goes, right? Is the steep pump a roadblock? Oh, I don't know. Alex. I mean, like, if you really want to get into the details, but continue. I'm just, I'm just trying to be really clear with our metaphors. Uh, so, look, the the Adelaide 36ers had a desire to sign Dayan Vasiljevic. He wanted to go there as well. Now they agreed on a deal weeks ago, right? And so that's something that uh, upset the Sydney Kings. They felt as though this deal was agreed on with this other team before even coming to us even though presumably everyone involved knew that, hey, we're Sydney Kings, we have his right of first refusal. So that was something the Sydney Kings had to sort of get past. And then once the desire was there for uh, Vasilevic to join Adelaide and that was made clear to Sydney, then they had to be given a reasonable amount of time to basically just discuss within themselves whether they want to bring Vasilevic in. Do they exercise that right of first refusal? Uh, there are so many things that go into something like that. It is, okay, if we do that, who do we cut? Uh, this is someone who our new head coach does not know. Uh, so this this guy would have to come in. Does he play a, over Jalen Galloway, who is averaging the same numbers as him on better efficiency? And Jalen Galloway is like a plus defender. So like, does he even play over him? Does he play over Glover? 
two years coming along. And so a lot of considerations there, considerations money-wise, contract-wise. Ultimately, they decided they have no desire to do it. And so that opens the door for DJ to join Adelaide. Now, he doesn't just go there. There is still parts of the process that need to play out. The initial buyout, which the Sydney Kings amended to allow DJ to go and explore his his NBA and Euro options, um, there is that still needs to be completed. There is a, like a monetary part of that that still has to be completed before the buyout is official between Sydney and Vasiljevic. Um, and then the Sixers need to go and get a letter of clearance from the Wizards, which could take a day, it could take a few days. And so I wouldn't... It's not guaranteed that this guy will that TJ will play on Thursday it's not guaranteed he'll play this week but it seems like he will play for this team sooner than later we're going to get into the Sydney Kings depth chart in just a little bit because that team is already stacked so overall uh, this is a front office in Sydney that's done a pretty nice business with its players I think for the most part it's kept the relationships pretty strong so as weird as it's going to be to see DJ not in a Sydney uniform and playing for the Adelaide 36ers. I'm not overall surprised that this is the way that it's played out. Yeah. Uh, but you talk about where the 36ers are at right now. And this is a very delicate part of the season. If you're a 36ers fan and on one hand, you're excited about getting DJ in. On the other hand, you understand that there is no time to waste here. And this is what we love about the NBL, 28 games. So every game does mean something. Yeah. And right now, the 36ers are one and four. They've already played... 17, 18% of the season, which feels scary to say. But this weekend, they've got the Phoenix on Thursday night at home, then the Perth Wildcats on Saturday at home. So two more games. And they're in a time crunch now to get DJ. And if they don't get him for those two games, the results don't go their way. You can almost put a line through them for the season. So if you just look at the way the NBL played out last season, Melbourne United missed out on the play-in tournament with a 15 and 13 record. So they were above 500 and they still weren't in the top six. For Adelaide to even get to 15 and 13 right now, they have to go 14 and 9 the rest of the way. That's a 60% winning record. They need something with the offense right now. At the moment, they've got mm. one of the, the least efficient offenses in the league. Bottom, uh, they're actually at the, the bottom for uh, offensive rating. Yeah. And a lot of their guards that you think should be taking up the slack, and you think they're going to get better. So I think there's room for improvement, but whether it's Trey Cal, Jason Kadee, Mitch McCarron, Sunday Detch, they're all sub 40% shooting from the floor right now. So they're having a lot of trouble on the perimeter scoring. You bring in one of the best locals, that's going to give you a boost. And I think the added thing for the 36ers is that DJ is going to be in career best shape. I saw him months ago in the US. He's been there for a long period of time. He went straight after the the Kings won the title. He's been working out at the University of Miami for months. Then he was at Summer League with Washington, then training camp. So he's going to come in ready to play. But at one and four... There is very little room to move. And do you think that this is the type of move that they have enough time still to make a playing tournament? Uh, it's it's so tough. And honestly, uh, this weekend is so important yeah. because it's Southeast coming off. They'll be feeling themselves coming off that big mm-hmm. win over Tassie, right? If this if this Southeast team that should be healthy, Alan Williams should be back, right? They beat big Tassie. Source. Big Source. They beat Tassie without Big Source, without Tyler Cook. So they're going into this game. Granted, it is in Adelaide. And Adelaide is coming off a really cool win over Illawarra. That's against Illawarra. They're the worst defense in the league. And so Southeast comes in. That's a tough matchup. And then Perth comes in. Now, Perth has looked like a shell of what we a lot of people thought they would. They they sort of they look like a shell of the talent that they have. But they're a talented team. And Bryce Cotton can come in and break everyone's hearts at Adelaide Entertainment Center. So 
it's it's tough. If they drop to one and six, what what is so? What did would you say they needed? Fourteen and nine to get to that. What you not, to be above five hundred? Yeah, so that's to get to fifteen and thirteen. And if they drop these two, there's no guarantee with the depth in this league that fifteen and thirteen gets you there. It didn't last yeah. year for Melbourne, so that's that would be bare minimum. You need to go fourteen right. and nine from right now. And right now, Adelaide is obviously not built to do that. Whether Vasiljevic is the piece that can lift them to that, like this, isn't the level of Bryce Cotton joining Perth mid-season, right? Cotton is was the best player in the league. Vasiljevic is a really solid local, um, like an obvious starter level guy, but whether he lifts this team that foundationally has some issues to that point, it's I I doubt it. It just seems like a really like steep hill to climb. If he was there from the start of the season, you project the 36ers differently. Uh, and again, maybe they get him for the back end of this weekend. Either way, Adelaide is going to be working ferociously, I'm sure, to get this over the line. Uh, just quickly before we move on from the 36ers, they did get the one win. Now, they beat the Illawarra Hawks. We can get to them a bit later. They are struggling right now. But it was Trenton Flowers, and we spoke about him on the first episode Trenton of this show. Flowers. And he has 18 points in the fourth quarter, and he just took open shots. He wasn't in the original role that perhaps they, they wanted to have him in, which is handling the ball a lot. And we spoke about this on the podcast, and I said, I don't care that they went through that trial period with that role he's a teenager he's trying to figure out where he fits in professional basketball and maybe that at this point in his career this is the perfect role for him let the veterans set you up get yourself in position use your athleticism use the skill set that you have and you can have a major impact so i just thought when you look at the next stars they play under a lot of pressure you see how much the league pumps them up they do the smallest little thing and it's all over social media repeatedly and i get it the league is is pumping up the next stars program they should be very proud of it but i think it does put a lot of pressure on and he's probably looking around the rest of the league and he's seen alex sire and he's seen alex tui and all these young guys getting it done and getting all the promo i was just thrilled that he had a moment so i don't know if i agree with you uh the first thing you said do you say that it was okay that they sort of went through that that little trial of yeah. let's see how it looks why not I, because it's the preseason and people were but they'll, blowing they'll up. Far, they're, they're, they're behind the eight ball, though. But it doesn't matter. It's like two games of the Blitz and everyone's acting like, I can't believe that you're trying this with a, with a young kid to put him in a position. Like, it's two games of the Blitz. Why does it matter? Yeah, they look horrific because they're one and four why did right they now. Look, why did they look horrific? It wasn't Trent Flowers and it wasn't the fact that they said I mean, it two was Blitz partly games. because Trent Flowers couldn't bring the ball up the floor. Yeah, but they've got Mitch McCarron. They've got Jason Kiddie. They've got Trey Cull who wasn't playing in the Blitz. So part of it was circumstance. Now yeah. they've got the veterans there that can bring the ball up the floor. And as we'd already discussed, they've still got the worst offensive rating in the league. So I don't think By that far, playing yeah. Trenton Flowers in that position had any impact on their slow start to the season. No, I think it kind of did. It just it the the blitz is there so you can get meaningful Try reps. Try things. Try with things. It, with new teams. That's what it's there for. Okay, so what if the Sydney Kings were like, we're going to play Jonah Bolden at the point? Let's try things. Like, no, like this well, kid was a reason. wing. You, you, just, you, know, you, you know. Yeah, but this 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 kid was a wing throughout all of high school, and then came in and decided to be the point guard in a really tough league. Like that was not that was never going to work. And so, and if they were still trying to do it in week four, obviously I would say that. okay. But they 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 pulled the cord pretty quickly. That's I just, why I didn't have a problem with. And and I I just think they they're just behind a lot of other teams right now, and and some other teams are far behind too. But I just think they're really far behind because they didn't get meaningful reps during the blitz, and part of that is because Jamal Franklin was there, and then they had to cut him yeah. and all that too. So there are other there are mitigating circumstances here, but they didn't have to trial this kid at the point 
through three meaningful preseason games where they could have been getting reps with McCarron at the point. See how McCarron works with a sort of a healthy Isaac Humphreys. See how that high-low with Wiley and Humphreys works where they just didn't have anything in place to, to get them going. And it was just, it seems a lot was revolved around trying to make this kid work as a point guard so the rest of the team didn't have time to sort of develop itself. And now they're one and four on the brink of one and six with the, with Vasilievich coming in as the savior. And it just seems like the season might already be over, right? And I'm not saying it's because of that, but I'm saying that wasn't helpful. Um, what was annoying was that there were even, there were little periods during that where Adelaide decided, all right, we're not going to have Trenton bring the ball up. And he would go play on the wing. And I was sitting with NBA scouts in the Gold Coast, and they'd be talking about, look, okay, that's like that's a good cut there. Like, that's a good read. As a secondary playmaker, he looks really cool. He's athletic. The shot has a little hitch, but, like, there's something in the shot. He's big. He's athletic. There is something there in him as this wing guy that I think everyone saw. But it just took a, a while for Adelaide to lean into it. Whether this continues, he had this. He had one good game, right? We're not, we're not going to... And it was, it was he shot the ball super well. He looked great. Whether he can guard at a high level, where he can do this consistently, we'll see. There's steps in the right direction. I just feel like we could have been here weeks ago if we didn't pretend that this kid was a point guard. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think that Adelaide's... Uh, I think like out of all the, the reasons why Adelaide maybe is at a slow start, including, by the way, a difficult schedule. They've played some of the, the better teams in the league. You talk about the import stuff. They haven't had a complete roster. Uh, I don't know whether that honestly has much of a bearing at all. I, I don't really. I think it was a that. factor. Maybe a, a tiny factor to me. I, I don't think. But but you're right. The point is that he's going to be, you know, going through roller coasters. So this doesn't mean mm. that it's going to be happening all the time. You're not going to score 18 points in the fourth quarter and win. Um, but while some of the other next stars have had moments, it was fun to see him have a moment and and really visibly feel good about himself uh, in a very important moment for this team. It's their only win uh, for the season. You mentioned the Phoenix. So let me ask you this, because if you went from watching the Adelaide-Illawarra game, which was a tough watch for the most part till you got to the fourth quarter, and then you rolled straight into Southeast Melbourne-Tasmania, which I just thought was a highly, highly entertaining game. Mm. Really uh, high offensive firepower from both teams went right down to the wire, obviously. This win, clearly in the context of the season, meant more for the Phoenix because they were desperate to pick up this win. They've been decimated by injuries again. Uh, which team did you feel better about walking away from this one? Uh, the Phoenix, because Tassie, I feel like, is almost like a known quantity at this point. Mm-hmm. We know they're good. The Phoenix, I don't, I still don't know if they're great, but a win over Tassie, granted it was at home and whatever, but a win over Tassie without either of their bigs, uh, really impressive. Um, and again, I don't know what their ceiling is, but that that was an important win. It gives us an idea of the sort of the caliber of competition that they can compete against um, because I wasn't entirely sure that they could um, that we've spoken a lot about sort of not trusting their depth and whether you know the, the two guards can play next to each other and Mitch Creek was sort of like up and down but I think he's sort of coming to his own now I I, I trust Southeast a little bit more I trust that they'll be, they'll be competitive against good teams going forward because if you can beat this Tassie team which is in a the Tassie team's in a really good place um then I think you're something. I think you can make some noise somewhere. Again, I don't know what their ceiling is. We'll see how this group looks with Alan Williams back in the lineup. But I, I, I came away impressed with Southeast, and then I, yeah, I, I don't think we can underestimate how important a win that was because if they dropped, would they have dropped to one and four? Like we're talking about 
Adelaide season being on the brink at one and four. If they dropped to one and four after a home loss, it wouldn't have been great. They needed it, which sets up a beautiful Thursday night matchup between mm. Adelaide and South East Melbourne. And both these teams really need to win this game. We can't wait to see Big Source out there. Interesting stat at this point in time for the Phoenix. Because you think about Alan Williams and how he's going to impact this team. The rebounding hasn't been where it was at last year. You think that's going to be an obvious replacement there. And you've got to play small. And you've got to give a lot of credit to, to guys like Craig Muller, who were playing the five in mm. this game for the Phoenix. But... Uh, they still are number one in the league for free throw rate at 36%, which is incredibly high. This team lives at the free throw line. That's not going to go down with Sauce there. You think he's going to help on the glass. And stability, I thought Gary Brown was big in this game, and it looks like he's still working into full conditioning or he was ill or I don't know what was going on with him, but he had some big-time shots down the stretch when they needed it. I, I went on a massive Tazzy rant last week, so I don't know if we need to dive back into it, but I will say I walked away from this game after what I said on last week's show about how confident I am in the offense, and this is a different-looking Tassie team, and I think the offense is sustainable, they lost this game, and I walked away feeling even better about Tassie and their ability to just score when they want, how they want, and have the ball in the guise of the hands. They had a 123.5 offensive rating in this game. So yes, they only scored in the mid-80s, but I've said before with Tassie, don't worry about it. Because I was watching the Jack Jumpers in this game. They're down double digits again in the second half for the second weekend in a row at John Kane Arena. And we did just come off an Illawarra game where I just thought some of the shot selection when you're down, it was just terrible. And there was no mm. control in the half court. There was no desire to slow the game down. And the Jack Jumpers, they were down 10 and they did not even slightly break into a sweat. No one is panicking. They're just like, look, we know we can score. Get the ball to Jordan Crawford. Jack McVay can play off the ball and cause chaos. Milton Doyle, we think, is still the best closer in the league. And they were just able to score at will. They finished the game 55% from the floor, 61% on twos and 48% on threes. The only number that really stands out that hurt the Jack Jumpers was turnovers 13 to 5. And that's a little bit un-Tasmania-like, but I just mm. walked away thinking, damn, this team is different offensively. Yeah, they lead the league in offense. Um, I think the expectation is that Sydney will somehow get there offensively and, mm-hmm. and, and lead the league just with the pace that they play at and the sort of offensive firepower they have. But Tasmania just continually shows that they just have the most well-drilled team. It's crazy. It's it's unreal. And even when their bench comes on, like you you, you bring in on Sean McDonald and Majuk Dang and, and even Junior Madut in his spot minutes and things are just still sort of clicking. And... I I'll say I was I had my concerns initially about Jordan Crawford, but he's hitting shots, um, and like it shouldn't be surprising. Like he was professional uh, scorer. Yeah, he's like extremely impressive in Turkey. Like he, we we knew how good he was coming in, but you just you just never know how guys will translate to this league. The NBA is a little bit different. It's a little bit faster, um, a little bit more physical. So you you weren't really sure, but he just he gets he gets where he wants, um, and it's it's cool that we've got to a point where. I was so surprised that Milton Doyle didn't hit yeah. just a few of those shots at the end. And credit to Craig Moller, whose point of attack defense on him was great. But it was it is a cool place when it's like we were so shocked when those shots didn't fall. Um like it was it was actually hilarious. It was a point where I think I think Doyle hit a three with like a minute or two left, and we we're just like, Hey, here we go. Yeah. And like, okay, let's do it again. <laughs> go ahead. And and then it didn't happen. I thought that was cool. But it's cool that we have guys like that like that in the league. Um, and I like that he gets to operate in this sort of offense too. 
there were plenty of gut check moments for the Phoenix because you're exactly right. That's what I was thinking at home. I said, well, Tassie are just going to win this game. We're going to walk away going, this team is ridiculous right now. Fourth yeah. quarter, they make teams nervous. So I thought uh, it was a great win for the Phoenix at home and fun to see again for uh, the competitiveness of the league, which is at an all-time high to start the season. I mentioned at the top we were going to talk about a couple of contenders, Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, which team interests you the most right now? You decide which direction we're going to go out of the Kings or United. I think two teams that most people have in their top three, four contenders mm. for the title as of today. Yeah, I, I think most people would have had them in their top four going into the season too. Um, Melbourne is so reliable because of how they guard. Uh, they have this really cool ability to keep everyone at their pace. So they'll go up against Perth in Perth. Perth is, I've got to double check this, but I think they're a relatively fast team right now. They're relative, uh, they're okay, middle of the road. Middle of the pack, yep. Um, they, Perth keeps them at their pace. Then they go up, go up against Brisbane at home. And Brisbane is a fast-paced team currently. Yeah. Um, Melbourne keeps them at their pace, holds them to, there was two and a half minutes to go in that, in the third quarter of that game, Brisbane had 38 points, right? They Their defense, especially at the point of attack, is unbelievable. Their ability to stop other stop opposing teams from getting into their stuff, just hounding other point guards, making sure that the, the team has to second-guess everything, right? No open looks. You're always second-guessing against Melbourne, and that is so tough. And so when we, when we think about teams that... Are contenders. We always look at the best defensive team in the league hmm. and the best defensive teams in the league. Melbourne is the best and far and away the best. Like, it is not close. We'll see how Delhi's injury affects that because Delhi, being like a bulldog, was is so important to them. And so he had a concussion. He'll, he'll be out for a little bit, probably, considering the, the concussion protocol, his history with concussions. So we'll see there. Sydney is interesting because it still feels like they're finding their groove. Like it doesn't feel like they're close to their ceiling, and they're four and one and looking pretty good. Um, I, I think this team still has a really long way to go, which is scary. <laughs> That's terrifying. Um, and so, yeah, when we're looking at Jalen Adams, who doesn't look like he's got out of second gear yet, but he's averaging. Well, he never practice. does. To be fair, true. Like, he's floating around. He's shooting those floaters. He's knocking down threes. He's got a smile on his face. He's that's just, that's he's the just, personality. He's just picking where he wants to attack. <laughs> but he's somehow averaging the same numbers he did when he was the MVP yeah. of the league a few years ago. Like, that is crazy. And just the the output they're getting from guys that maybe you didn't expect to bring that level of output from Jalen Galloway to Alex Tui to Jonah Bolden off the bench. Like, they are getting a ton of output from everybody, um, and it still feels like they're not close to their ceiling. So just quickly on Melbourne, because I think there's a bigger conversation to have about the Kings, and we didn't touch on them at all last week, another big couple of wins, as you pointed to, Olg. So uh, just with Melbourne right now, so they're seventh in offense, and and I think that's going to continue to be the watch once you get to the back end of the season, because you can guarantee right now, with the way that their defense is set up and the personnel, and we all predicted this was going to be the case, they're going to be it. You can almost lock them into a top two spot, because... Right now, their defensive rating, they're giving up 98 points per 100 possessions. Number one in the league. The number two ranked team is at 107 points per 100 possessions. So they are giving up nine fewer points per 100 right now than any other team. Like 
there is no one that is close to what this team is doing defensively. Yeah. Again, very early in the season. So we'll see where this settles out in another couple of months' time. You'll have a more accurate uh, reading of where they're at. But you just don't generally see teams this early in the season function immediately defensively. So United, outstanding. The question for the Kings, because you say they're going to get better. Well, of course they should get better on paper because DJ Hogue hasn't even played a single minute yet. And this was a guy that was awesome for the Cairns Taipans last year. Uh, Firstly, before we dive into the rotation stuff, because this is going to be fascinating to watch, any idea where he is at for Sydney Kings fans? DJ Hogue? Yes. Uh, My feel is it's still a couple of weeks away. Okay. So I'd put it one to two weeks away, something like that. Still has to go through some of the processes, but not a month away. But it wouldn't surprise me if, He's there not next week, but the week after. So one of the positives that we floated as an idea a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, when talking about the Kings, and I think that there was an idea that they might have some things to figure out. What does Denzel Valentine look like in this league? What shape is Jalen Adams in? Because he didn't play a lot of basketball last season. Alex Tui's the next star. Jonah Bolden hasn't played basketball for years. So we thought maybe it was going to take some time. But when we discuss the idea of DJ Hogue being out for a month, we're trying to be glass half full here. And mm-hmm. we said, well, maybe the positive is Jonah Bolden immediately getting big <laughs> minutes. Now, he's playing around 18 minutes per game. He's getting you around eight points, six, seven rebounds. Obviously, he had a couple of big games on the weekend, a massive game on the glass. Mm. I don't think there's any possible way that you could have predicted that he was going to be this good this quickly. No. Again, the numbers are so noisy, but out of... All the players to have played a minimum of 50 possessions so far this season, which is a tiny sample size. He ranks second out of the 76 players in that category for uh, net rating, which means that the Sydney Kings, with Jonah Bolton, it's not an individual stat, but Mm. with Jonah Bolton on the floor, the Sydney Kings are outscoring teams uh, by 21 points per 100. Basically, when he's been on the floor and some of these bench players, Kwatnoi, another one that is incredibly Mm. high in that category, they're playing winning basketball. And I think it's because he does a lot of the little things. He's not out there getting 20 points and 10 rebounds a night. He hits the offensive glass at a really high rate and he can knock down the outside shot. So he's good for the spacing as well. Mm. I couldn't have predicted he would look this good this quickly. Now, maybe you should sit back and say, well, this is an NBA guy. It's not a surprise. He's clearly stayed in shape, but he's been unbelievable and you feel like there's upside. I don't know. The Kings didn't think this either. I think they were hoping to get to the midway point in the season. Yeah. And he would have found his feet by then. We're five games in, and he's looking like he could start on a bunch of teams right now. And, like, obviously so. Um, Like you said, his ability to knock down the three does a lot for this team. A lot of what the Sydney Kings do offensively goes through their bigs. So it goes through Geordie Hunter and through Jonah Bolden. And with Bolden's ability to pass the ball, they they just create so many good, like, high-quality looks. And so that's important there. Um, And then the fact that he... He's just he's backing up Geordie Hunter, who is playing really well in his own right awesome. too, right? So like Geordie Hunter's been great, Jonah Bolden's been great. The absence of Hogue means that we've been able to see Alex Tui get an increased opportunity, and his production's good. He's <laughs> shooting the ball really well, like he's looking like a like a real damn real player, yeah, right? And so this team is just stacked, and we knew that their bench was good, right? We we know their bench is a known commodity at this point with weirdly enough the worst player this season so far is probably like sean bruce he just hasn't found his groove yet but we know what sean bruce can do he will and so (laughs) yeah um and so once sean bruce gets going like they're getting 
And Angus Glover, too. Again, we know what he can do. He just hasn't found his groove completely yet, but we can see him slowly finding it. Once those two do start clicking, you know, Quat Noy is playing the best basketball of his career. Alex Tui is looking like a real player. Jalen Galloway is looking like the most improved player in the league. Um, and I, I also point to Denzel Valentine, who hmm. I had some questions about early on, just because I think they were playing him out of position and out of the role that is, it sort of suits him. But the way he's been playing, the way he's been shooting the ball, um, and just his, like, his willingness to shoot it, but his, his ability to be a connector, I really like him as a third input. And so once Hogue comes back in the lineup, then I think Denzel Valentine can just slip into the role that I think this team wanted for him initially, which is just to space the hell out of the floor and be a connector. And all of a sudden, you have this team that is just super balanced and unbelievably deep. If they can guard at a high level, which they're, they're defending decently well, um, and they're that team that I think is going to challenge Tasmania as being the best offense. I think they'll end up surpassing them at some point. Like they have all the pieces and the depth to be the best team in the league, and it, just, it seems like they're farther along than we thought they were. Jalen Adams, twenty points, six assists per game when he won the MVPs at twenty and five right now. And again, you think that he's going to get better. Uh, with Valentine, the thing that you, you mentioned his shooting, which has been, I mean, he's a guy that right now you, you don't want to leave. He's only at 38%, but he's shooting at a high volume. So he's always asking questions of the defense, yeah. but he's leading the team in assists. He's getting 5.4 assists. And this is a guy that's played so many games in the NBA. Mm. I know he's played overseas a little bit, so he's experienced this, but he's come into this league and he's never trying to do too much. Like his willingness to pass the ball and move the ball is, he, he deserves so much respect for that. Uh, yeah. The way he's playing has been outstanding. So here's the question I've got for Sydney. Nine players right now averaging 15 minutes per game. And they're all guys, aside from Tui, who's obviously new to the system, and Galloway, who has been around uh, this club, though. They're all guys that have played in major moments before and have every right to put their hand up and say, I should be playing on this team. And I probably should be playing in the fourth quarter big minutes because I've had big moments across the course of my career. So DJ Hoke comes in. Who's impacted the most? And maybe the, maybe they spread the load, but typically in these situations, there's going to be one guy that takes the biggest hit. I mean, like off the bat, it'd be Tui. Okay. Um, just because Tui right now theoretically starts at the four. I, I imagine Ho comes in, starts at the four, so Tui is benched. Um, I still think they'll be able to sort of grab minutes from a bit of everybody and make sure that Tui still gets his run because he deserves to have... He deserves to be out there, right? His ability to stretch the floor, defend multiple positions. Yep. Like we, his output is is obvious. Like we we know what he's done out there. Um, yeah, but pro- probably him, maybe quite to an extent. Um, but I I think the the strength of this team is their positional versatility. Mm-hmm. In that, sure, like you may, it, it's not just about DJ Hogue coming back in and he just starts. He's just at the four and takes all of those four man minutes. No, th- there's going to be times where DJ Hogue plays a five, and there's going to be times where Alex Tui is on and he plays the three and Galloway plays the two. And like these guys can just chop and change basically. Basically from like two to five on this team, you can just almost chuck anyone in there and just see how it works. right? And I, I just think that's how Abdel Fattah likes to play. Just get rebounds, heat on the rim, just push it as fast as you can. Um, I, I, It's going to affect just the minutes, like the volume of minutes across the board with some people. Um, but as far as like how the team functions, and I, I think functionally these guys are just going to get a similar level of opportunity. 
So whether it's just one guy or they do try and share the load, I mean, going to a 10-man rotation can be a little more uh, challenging there as well. So we'll see what happens. But, geez, Alex Dewey, if you had said you're going to get to the time where DJ Hogue comes back in and you're asking yourself, <laughs> do we really want to take Alex Dewey out of the rotation? He's been so impactful. It's a, it's a pretty cool uh, question to be asking yourself, so I'm sure, if you're the Sydney Kings coaching staff. Just quickly, on the roll, uh, offensively, so last year... Uh, DJ Hogue with the Cairns Taipans, 87% of his shot attempts were either at the rim or at three. Around 50% of his shots came from three. This year, Alex Tui is basically identical. 88% of his shots are at the rim or three. So in terms of shot profile, it's almost like for like, even though you would say, based on what we saw last year, Hogue may have an enhanced reputation in the NBL. I think because of the shots that these two guys take, they're going to be similar. I think it's almost... Uh, a, a pretty nice fit to just slot straight in and you, you don't really have to change too much. No. Again, functionally, the team doesn't have to change too much. The, the only thing is you, like, you, you're going to want to continue to get two of his minutes. Um, again, not just because he's helping you now, but because his potential is vast. And so you give him, you continue to give him opportunities. Come the middle of the season, he could be, he could be amazing. Yeah. So you want to continue to feed him those minutes. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. And, the Kings, like we said about Jonah, and probably said about Tui too, I don't know if they thought they'd be five games in and thinking that 19-year-old next star Alex Tui is <laughs> going to be like one of our key rotation guys while we're winning and that Jonah Bolden would be dropping double-doubles while we're winning. I don't know if they thought they'd be at this point. I tweeted it the other day because I was watching the, the Brisbane game the other night and uh, you have Rocco playing big minutes, and I just thought it was so cool to listen to the crowd every time Rocco touched the ball, the anticipation, the excitement. Now, he's a seven foot three teenager mm. who's a year away or a couple of years away from being able to handle the physicality of the pro game, but even though he's going to have some great moments. But I just thought for a second, I stopped even watching the game. I stopped even thinking about anything. I was just like, how cool is it? All the local guys right now that we're watching the NBL and they're earning minutes and they're having moments. And for Australian basketball fans, there's genuine excitement to have these young guys uh, in the league. It's if you just, we work in it, but if you just love basketball and you just watch it every day, like we would, even if we weren't doing this job, mm. it's a pretty fun time to just love the game. Just watching the changing of the guard happen in it's like so real cool. time is really cool. Even like when you look at Perth and like you have Jesse Wagstaff there, who's sort of a reminder of what the Wildcats were. And then you got someone like David Aquera coming in and he gave them good minutes yeah. in their last game. And you see Ben Henschel hit the floor. And just like around the league, you're looking at like Illawarra and you can sort of see, again, two ends of the spectrum where you got Todd Blanchfield out there and Lockie Olbrick comes in. And Olbrick is like one of the best young players in the league. And so just seeing these really talented young Australian and New Zealand players. In the NBL, when they could be in college, they could be anywhere else. Very, very cool. So these USA NBL games, we discussed this last week, and I want to wrap up the pod on this thought. And we asked this question on headline or storyline, ASPN.com.au. Check it out. Uh, myself, Olgan, Peter Hooley's involved in that. And the question we asked this week was, will this be a season-defining little week, week and a half for the New Zealand Breakers? So... I think it's been, for reasons out of their hands, a little bit challenging for both of these teams. We've discussed the idea of leaving mid-season. We probably don't need to back over this. But I do think if you're the New Zealand Breakers, who right now, as we're recording this podcast, are playing 
an NBA team, and we're recording this on Tuesday lunchtime. They're back on Sunday to play at John Kane Arena against Melbourne United. Then a couple of days later on the Thursday, they're back home hosting the Adelaide 36ers. And then bad luck, New Zealand Breakers. You're going to jump back on a plane and come back to Melbourne because you get the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix on Saturday afternoon. So within seven days after being in the US, they've got two separate trips to Melbourne with a Thursday night home game sandwiched in between. And we know that they're only one and one, so they're behind the eight ball a little bit just in terms of games played. You, you don't have to agree that it's a season-defining stretch, but they have to be looking at the schedule and thinking, you are kidding me. How is this possible? Yeah, uh, if they were to do it over, they wouldn't do this again. That's so silly. And especially the nature of the way these NBA, NBL games have turned out. They're, they're not... I don't, I, don't, I don't know their value anymore, um, especially if they're happening well, in the Well, the value is the we discussed this, and you know this, so to, to be clear. We, we don't, we're not just potting the whole idea of it. Because the players... They want to do it, and and there. Well, I can't speak for everyone, sure. But there is a section of of the players that are excited by the opportunity to play, depending on where they're at in their career against NBA teams. There is a spotlight on it, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that individual motives sometimes are going to be different from the business. And I think the business of the Breakers is looking at this now in this next seven days and understanding, as we discussed with Adelaide and the Phoenix. You can't afford to fall behind the eight ball or you're in big trouble. Yeah. And again, I it would just be more reasonable if these weren't in the middle of the season. Yeah, of course. Um, obviously, the timing is difficult with the NBA preseason, but yeah. that's obviously the case. Um, as far as this stretch coming up, like, yeah, it's tough. So uh, you're, you are as big on the breakers as anyone that we've seen. Yeah, they're really, this... I think they're really good. So how? Oh, they're built really well. Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, concerns about the big man, as we've discussed. Me too. Yeah. So, how worried are you about this team that you think can finish? I assume top two, win the title, this league. About uh, what impact this could have in a season, particularly these next three games. So, like, I I know we're trying to bunch up those games there, right? Sunday, Sunday in Melbourne, and then the next Thursday back in New Zealand and then back to Melbourne for Saturday. I like I would split them because it is not ideal trying to incorporate someone new in Anthony Lamb, mm-hmm. still figuring out what you're doing because you've only played two games. Uh, it is not ideal doing that against Melbourne. <laughs> trying to figure out your identity yeah. while going up against that defense is really gross. That's that's like a, that's the toughest thing to do in, in this the NBL this season. So that's not great. But then you you have what five you go back to New Zealand, you got five days off practically, and you play Adelaide. Like, you have time to get back into the swing of things. So I feel like once that first initial hit, the really tough game against Melbourne is done, then I think you're you're back into your usual swing of things. And I don't think you overreact to to the result of that game one one way or another. Because it's probably without Delhi. And like we'll see what happens. Maybe you're on a high because you you just played a bunch of games in America. Mm-hmm. May, and may, maybe you lose by 20 points because you're going up against Melbourne, who have had a bunch of games, could potentially have Joe Luala-Chuil back and, uh, have the, and have the far and away best defense in the league. So I don't know if you would overreact to that outcome. Um, but then, yeah, going being one and two, just not a great place to be in, just in general. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they're overreacting beyond that game. 
I'm with you. That's a that's a totally reasonable call. And by the way, yeah, Modi Mayor has proven himself over the last 12 to 14 months as one of the great motivators. And yeah, part of me thinks that he might look at it and he might not have the negative approach that I have. He might look at it and say, this is awesome for us. We're going to go in there. We're going to pick up a win on the road. One of these two Melbourne games, take care of home court. You win two out of three, then you just launch yourself into the season. So the breakers, I'm sure, uh, look at it a little bit differently as well. But it is are going to be challenging. And Cairns Taipans, just get healthy, please. We just want to see you back in Australia. We want to see you healthy. We want to see you get your season back on track as well. But just watching those two teams over the next few weeks, I think is at least going to be fascinating for me. Uh, I don't know if you've got any final thoughts. I'm just looking at this weekend's basketball and I know what I'm going to be doing on Sunday afternoon. I'm going to be watching that Melbourne-New Zealand game that we've already discussed from John Kane Arena. And I'm getting home as quickly as I can to watch the Sydney Kings mm-hmm. and the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. So an awesome Sunday. But the round four slate is loaded as well. Any final thoughts here? Uh, would you like me to read to you? The Sydney Kings just confirmed that ah. they're not uh, exercising the right of first refusal on DJ Vasilievich. Would you like me to read their quotes? Because I think they're quite pointed. Let's go. Uh, so this is from uh, Chris Pongrass, the CEO of the Sydney Kings. Uh, he says, while DJ played a role in the club's recent success, it became clear that to make such a significant change to our roster by having him return at the expense of one of our current roster players was not in our best interests. Uh, we have the utmost confidence in the team we have built and the s- success we have with our contracted players. Uh, here is here's the fun part. We are disappointed with how this process has been handled and another NBL team's role in this process. We originally amended the contract in good faith and completed our roster with the understanding that DJ would play internationally this season. While there is no perfect system, the circumstance highlights the inequity NBL clubs have in terms of protecting their interests as opposed to other leagues in the world. Thoughts? Well, I think if you're the Kings, uh, that was certainly, and you know you're all over this, that was certainly, I, I think, the understanding that was coming from, from both parties. That, that if it wasn't the NBA, it would probably be uh, Europe or, or somewhere over there. So I think that that probably was the understanding. And yeah, the, it's probably a little bit of a shock to the system that now DJ is going to be back in the NBL. But you know, I think DJ is within his rights to for the situation to change and he wants to be home and he wants to play in the NBL and he's still got ambitions to extend his career and get to the NBA. Maybe he thinks that this is this is the best path for him to do so. So... I would understand if both parties felt a little bit uh, weird about this situation because it is a little bit bizarre and it's not one of the angles that I would have predicted two months ago where the position was. No, no. The the Kings naturally are upset because if they knew that DJ would have a desire to join another NBL team, they just wouldn't have let him go in the first place. They, They amended the buyout to allow him to go and chase his dreams and then there was a really quick turnaround where he said, actually, no, circumstances happened. I'd like to come back to the NBL. And the Sydney Kings obviously weren't in a, situa- in a, in a position to take him. So put puts them in a, a really weird position. And then my argument would also be, if the roles were reversed, and this was, for example, someone asking to be released from his contract from, say, the Cairns Taipans or from the Illawarra Hawks, and then they decided to go join Melbourne United, how would we be talking about this? Well, this was similar to last week when you brought up the Chase Buford team. The exactly. Only, the, the only point that I would make is uh, right now, if the situation has changed over the last few weeks here, mm. as was indicated in the statement, the Kings are locked and loaded. Yeah. They're, they're happy with their roster. 
and I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm just trying to walk my way through the situation as you've just read it to me. Would they have said months ago when they're building their roster, all right, well, DJ might come back to us. Uh, that's just... Let's just not not fill a roster and just leave it open for him to return a few weeks into the season. I, I don't know whether that would have been the, in the best interest for the Sydney Kings. So if if it was a situation where the Kings had an open roster spot mm. and he can bring him in and, and DJ was saying, no, I'm going to play somewhere else, then that's that's a little bit different. But I, I think it's a I think it's a complicated situation, particularly with the timing. Yeah. Uh but again, it, it's you know, you you reported it when you were bringing it up. It was it was a shock. I was surprised to yeah. hear that this was on the table. Yeah. It's yeah, it's almost unheard of for a player to sign an exhibit and then not go play for that G League team. Mm. I had NBA teams texting me really confused because that never happens. Um and so I, I we'll see what this means for DJ's future in the NBA because sort of reneging on a presumed promise to join a G League team is not a great look. And so we'll see how that how that pans out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not across those details, uh, obviously. But I can only talk for what I want to watch on my NBL television screen. You want to watch the Adelaide 36ers, don't you? I'll be excited. <laughs> I'll be excited Finally. to see DJ back in the NBL. So, you know, I think that the fans are the winners and maybe not Sydney Kings fans. And you know yeah, Sydney Kings, are, Sydney Kings have Jalen Galloway, who is looking super exciting. And damn, he, he might be the next player in the NBA, getting a two-way mm-hmm. deal somewhere. Like he's averaging same production, better efficiency, better defense. In from what I feel, that they're comfortable with Galloway, Valentine, Tui as like as their local, as their sort of core, their perimeter guys right now. As they damn well should be, mm-hmm. because that is a loaded roster as we've already discussed. All right, it's a nice little tidbit there at the end. That's why I always just give you an opportunity to bring something it to just the popped, table. It just popped up in and, my on my feed, and we are. We are very happy about that as a way to wrap up this podcast. As I mentioned, plenty of NBL on ESPN starting Thursday night this weekend. You'll be able to catch it right through the weekend. Keep it locked on ESPN.com.au for all the latest news, stats, info, analysis. It's all there. And for Olgan and myself, we're going to call it quits for this podcast until next Tuesday at least and see if we can argue about something else. You know, I, I didn't know we were going to argue about Trent Flowers, but here <laughs> we are today. But we made it through another podcast. This has been the ESPN Aussie Hoops Hour. We'll see you next week.